Good to be back in church. As, uh, as we've gone through this time in the church, I've had mixed emotions about different things that have gone on in the, in the world. And some of the responses of, of Christians and just some of the different things that have gone on. And one of the, the statements that I saw that I really like to uh, share with you was this. In the rush to return to normal, use this time to consider which parts of normal are worth rushing back to. Right after we had the pandemic uh, announcement, we were watching it, of course, unfold in other parts of the world. But uh, when it really seemed to be hitting here strong and the mandate went out about closing different things, I saw pastors right away putting on their websites, send in your offerings. And, you know, and, and there was other churches that were uh, gathering in secret and I thought you don't even know in your congregation yet who has been affected by this which jobs have been lost what is going on and I kept thinking of the love of Jesus and what would Jesus do in these times and just the way that some Christians I guess responded sort of set me Back, and I kept hearing this from, especially from pastor friends, you know, we just need to get back to normal, we need to get back to normal, we need to get back to normal. And when we were going through this, as I shared in my prayer, I was looking and thinking, what is it that God is trying to teach us through this? Because none of this takes God by surprise. You know, if you believe in the sovereignty of God, God knew all these things that were going on, and he knew that they were going to happen, he knows how we're going to respond and so none of this takes God by surprise. And, and some of them were like, well, Satan's behind all this. Well, Satan's been behind everything since, since the beginning of time also, since he fell from graces in heaven. And so that's no new revelation. Some people thought, well, this is the end times where this is, you know, the beginning of the revelations and, and the, the, the pains of this. And though we're closer to it, if anybody that has read through revelations knows that this isn't it because when those things hit we're going to know for sure so as I was looking at at other believers especially I knew how the world would respond and, uh, and we don't expect much different from the world but when I looked at Christians I thought where's your love for one another where's your care for one another there were some that were so eager to get back, they didn't really care about maybe the health of others. Now, over the last three, six, eight weeks, we've learned a lot more about this virus. We've learned some of the things that can help minimize it or to a great extent prevent it. But through these times, when we're in uncertain times, what is it that we are doing as believers to show the world a different pattern? I had Christians even say, well, what do you think about the bars being open and this being open and not the churches? And, and I thought to myself, since when do we set our pattern after the world as a church? We as a church are called to be different, unique, to set the standard, not to follow the pattern of the world. And so through this, I've sort of tried to keep my eyes open to what is God saying to his church? And I believe in my heart 
that God really showed me that those that would stay faithful to his word through this time, he would bless. And those that didn't were going to find themselves in difficult times. And so what is it about God's word that we need to obey or needed to obey? And of course, if you've listened over the last several months of the messages of the last couple months, you know, I believe that Romans 13 and, and uh, 1 Peter 2 were really instrumental to us telling us to uh, obey the authorities that were over us. That was God's command. And people would bring up Hebrews, you know, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. That's a legitimate thing. But that was used in a time when it was saying that there were those that were straying from the faith, and so don't be like them to stray away. And I'm not minimizing the gathering together. This is great to be together. We need to be together. Others would use out of the book of Acts when Peter and John got released from prison and were told not to preach Christ. And they said, we are to obey God rather than man. And so I've seen these Christians that were saying, well, we're to obey God more than man. But the thing is, the government didn't tell us we couldn't preach Christ. As a matter of fact, we probably reach more people now than we ever have before. We have our local group that meets our, our, you know, our, our handful of people here, 30, 40 people that we reach here. But now we have people that have been watching from all over the United States. And some have made comments on our deals. Others just from even surrounding communities that have watched us. I have friends that say I get to hear many different sermons on a Sunday. And the unfortunate thing is some pastors are threatened by that. Some churches are threatened by that. That their people may be listening to something else. But I think it's great. Because we can grow and we can learn from everything. I listen to other sermons. I read other pastors. I, I watch things when I'm up here working. As you've seen, we've done a lot of work in, in the church here. We've, we've built this. We've cleaned out a couple of rooms back there. We've just been sanitizing, clean. And while we do that, we have teachings that are on. God has called us to be different, to do something different, to be challenged by this and to grow. And I don't think God really wants us to go back to what normal was because what was normal? For a lot of us, it was just we come to church Sunday, we hear a little bit of the word and we just go about and live our life. God has not called us as Christians to do that. He has called us to go out into the world, to be a light into the world, to be salt in this world. As a church, he hasn't told us just to shine our light inside the sanctuary, but he has told us to go out into all the world, to get up on the hill, to let the world see the light, to proclaim that. And I think it's been a long time since a lot of us have been aggressive Christians with the word of God, to go out and to share that with other people, to really realize that God has that calling on us, that he has called us as his ambassadors, which means his representation we are to represent him wherever we go and to do whatever he calls us to do. And are we doing that? But it all starts with his word. As we've, as we've gone through things and as I've talked with people and as I've shared this with people, people will pull out different things of, of scripture. And you've probably heard it said before, and I don't think we should ever do this, but people use the word of God to try to justify where they want to be. Or they want to use the word of God to justify their stance instead of reading God's word and saying, what does God's word say? And that's where I need to be. 
See, we want the word to conform to us and not us to conform to the world. But the Bible teaches us something different. I had a, a person even tell me, you know, I know what you're going to say before I even say this. And he went on to present his side and he went on to present my side before I said anything. And then he looked at me and I said, well, I guess you've said it all. The Word of God is the most important thing that we can have. And we're going to be out of Psalms 119 today, mostly. And Psalms 119 is a, is a long chapter. But it talks about the meditations on the excellence of the Word of God. We as believers need to understand that, that the foundation of us is the Word of God. There's people that say, well, I pray and God led me this way. And I say, but the word of God says this. Well, but God's leading me this way. God will never lead you contrary to the word of God. It will never lead you contrary to the Holy Bible. When we pray and we believe we get an answer from God, it's going to be in harmony with the word of God. If we believe that God is leading us in a direction, it's going to be in harmony with the word of God. So if anything goes on in my life and anything that I feel I'm being led to or any thoughts that I have about doing something, if it's contrary to the word of God, then I am wrong. My thoughts have entered in or my flesh has entered in or, or Satan is, is skewing something that has been there. Psalms 119, meditations on the excellences of the word of God. In Psalms 119, 156 through 163, it says this, Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your judgments. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. I seek the treacherous and am disgusted, because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts, Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Princes persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. I rejoice at your word as one who finds a great treasure. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Law, precepts, commandments, those are all the word of God. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts. It is God's word. He says this, I stand in awe of your word. I think I heard in the Bible study this morning, Larry quoted something about the shock and awe of something that happens. That awe is like, it's like a, a jaw dropper. I stand in awe of your word. Your word is that pure, it's that righteous, it's that holy. It has everything that I need for my life. And I stand in awe of your word. I rejoice in your word as one who has found a great treasure. You know, when we read the word of God many times, and if we're looking for what we want to present, it's not a treasure. It's just a point of justification. But when we read the word with a mind towards Christ and a mind towards God and, and saying, Lord, purify me, 
do your work in me. And we find something in there, it's like, oh, this is a great treasure. And we grasp it and we hold it and we cherish it and we love it. See, the world today wants to attack the Word of God. The basis of the church is, is the Word of God. Okay, it's, it's Christ. It's the cross. It's his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. It's him sitting at the right hand of God. But it's his word in the world today. This is what governs the church. The church being the called out ones. Many churches today can be filled with people that aren't really Christians. And they're not really the church. The church is believers. The church has been active the last two months, even though we haven't gathered together in this auditorium, because the church is the people. And the, the world wants to destroy the Word of God. Well, how do they do that? Well, they, they tried to take it out of the schools, right? I was just reading this morning a, an account of a, a father of a daughter who was assassinated in one of the school shootings who said when they came around, her daughter was praying in the school. They can legislate this stuff, but they can't take it out if it's in your heart. The world can tell us, and that would be one of God's divine laws, not to meet together. They could outlaw us meeting together. But that doesn't stop the work of Christ. That doesn't stop his church from doing its work because the church is the people. But they want to take it out of the schools. They want to take it out of everything in the public eye. They want to attack it and discredit the word of God. They want to say that, that light is darkness, that right is wrong, and that wrong is right. They want us to embrace these things that are, are going on in the world today, homosexuality and, and sinful lusts. They want us to say those things are okay and the word of God is wrong. They want to promote tolerance. They want to persecute intolerance. Listen, we don't need to be tolerant of sin. We love the sinner. We hate the sin. But we don't need to be tolerant of sin. And the world is going to persecute us for being intolerant as those people are intolerant. They want us to believe that good is bad and what is bad is good. And they're attacking the very foundations of the word of God. And the Bible says, what shall we do if the foundations be destroyed? The foundation is this word of God. It's what keeps us and holds us and does its work in us. You know, there's a test in the Bible and it's really a pass-fail. I was listening to several sermons this last week. One happened to be one of John MacArthur's. And he said this, The only way the church can fail is if it fails biblically. And I had to think about that. He said that in passing, and I sort of paused the thing, and I had to think about that. The only way that the church can fail is if it fails biblically. Because if we're doing what the Bible says, we're going to succeed. We're going to pass. We're doing what God would have us to do. But if we're doing something that's not biblical, we failed. 
And it's the only way that the church can really fail, is to disregard the Word of God, to compromise out the Word of God. You know, I'm very glad that the, that the president said that we're essential. But you know what? I never thought we were not essential. Christ tells us that the church is essential. Christ in his word has declared that the body of Christ in the local churches is how he does his work. The governor could make a law saying that we're unessential. That's not going to change my view. It's not going to change God's view. I'm glad that he said that. He, had a, he has a world platform and the world needs to hear that. But the government doesn't dictate to us what we believe and what we don't believe or what we feel or don't feel. It's God. And it's his word that tells us this. We cannot fail if we are biblical and if we stand on his word. It's important to stand on his word. It's important to know what sin is and to call sin, sin. And again, that's not intolerance towards the sinner. We love the sinner. Christ came for the sinners. He died for us while we were yet in our sins. There was nothing righteous about us. And he came and he gave his life for us while we were in sinners. So we love the sinners. But we need to call it what it is. We don't need to say, well, you know, play it down somewhere. Well, I, there was an error in judgment. That was a, a mistake. That was this or that. No, we need to call sin what it is, and it's sin. But it's through the Word of God, His written Word that we have. And His Word is alive and active. It's as sharper than any two-edged sword. And I know that there's... there's you know, debates about versions and stuff, and, and I, I agree with some of the stuff that's out there. But there's a force behind the words that are on this page. I have a New King James, some of you have King James, some of you have an NIV, some of you might have a CEV. You know, when I was a young kid, it was good news for modern man, very liberal translation. People got saved through that because it was the author of the word behind the words printed on the page. And I'm not discrediting saying that, you know, you can write anything. But God is alive and active in his word. It's through this word that we get saved. It's through the word that, that Christ shows us that we're sinners. The Ten Commandments were penned out, right? By the finger of God that people could read and see and know that they were falling short. It's through the Word of God that we get sanctified. It's through the Word of God that we experience His grace and that we find His mercy. We read these stories and we can plug ourselves into them and it's through the Word of God that, that changes us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I am the Word of life. This isn't just a book. This is what Christ has given to us and God the Father has given to us and what the Holy Spirit confirms in our life. It purifies us. It strengthens us. It encourages us. It protects us. It defends us. It breaks strongholds. I've seen those that, that have addictions and, and things in their life that have just overwhelmed them their whole life. And they come and they can find freedom through the word of God and the power of Jesus Christ.
It corrects us. It gives us wisdom. It gives us understanding. It gives us hope. We need to stand on the word of God. Proverbs 14.12 says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is death. We can look at a lot of things. We can have a lot of opinions. I can have a lot of opinions. But my opinions don't mean anything. God's word means everything. And if my opinions are not based on God's word, they're useless. They're, they're to be thrown out. Psalms 119, 9 through 16, tells us this. There, how can a young man cleanse his way? How do we get to where God wants us to be? By taking heed according to your word. We follow God's word and we stay out of trouble. We follow God's word and, and life is a lot less complicated. How can a young person cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Part of the failure in life today is that we're not seeking God with our whole heart. We're just giving God a peace here and God a peace there. And we're just taking enough to, to make us feel good about ourselves. God hasn't called us to feel good about ourselves. He's called us to be righteous. He's called us to be holy. Jesus has told us that he's given us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. And if you're only giving part to Christ, he's not satisfied because he's a jealous God. He wants it all. He wants it all. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen to the, the passion of that person. I've got your word in my heart that I don't sin against you. I don't want to sin against you. I don't want to do what is unpleasing in your sight. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Teach me your ways. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. As much in all the riches, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Is the word of God important? It's the number one selling book in the world. Unfortunately, it sits on people's shelves way too much. The Bible has authority over all things in the church. Get this right, I'm not the authority in this church. The board is not the authority in this church. Christ is the authority in this church. His word is what governs this body. This word is what tells us what we should be doing and shouldn't be doing or what we need to do. But guess what? This word also has authority over all believers' lives. Do you think you have control over your life? You have the freedom to make choices, but you have the freedom to be wrong. You can choose to sin against God. You can choose to do your own way. What did the Bible say? There's a way that seems right unto a man, but its end way is death. 
God's word, if you are a born-again believer, God's word has authority over every area of your life. And if there's something in your life that is not in line with God's word, you need to change it. Or you are in rebellion to God's word. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2 says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. You call yourself a Christian. You call yourself a steward. You call yourself a born-again believer. Do you consider yourself a servant of Christ? Oh yeah, I'm a servant of Christ. If he was to come back today, would he say that you've been found faithful? Because the word tells us it is required in stewards that they be found faithful. And the only way you're going to be found faithful in the eyes of God is to be walking in his ways. You can say, hey, I'm a sinful person. I'm going to sin. God's going to forgive. That's sort of a cop-out for things, but it's the truth. We have the flesh that we battle. But are you found faithful? What do you do with that when it comes up in your life? What do you do when you have that thought? What do you do when you have that action? How do you respond to those things? God tells us. He tells us we need to be found faithful because he is faithful. First John says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins when we repent of those things and we come to him. Our faithfulness is found in getting right with him, going to him, allowing him to do the work in our life. See, we're confirmed by the scriptures. We have a holy standing in God. We have a, a position in God. We are a part of his family. He has adopted us in. He has grafted us in. But we're also confined by his word. Both of those things, I want you to think about that. We're confirmed by his word, but we're also confined by his word as true believers. That means this is where I'm supposed to be. This is the realm that I'm comfortable in. And if you're more comfortable in the things of the world, in the talk of the world, in the gossip of the world, in the drama of the world, than you are in the presence of God, then maybe you need to look and see who owns you. Who's really got a hold of you? Are you spending more time in the things of the world or in the things of God? See, I can be in the world all the time. What does Romans say? Be in the world, but not of the world. We're in the world all the time. I'm not a, a seclusionist. I'm not a separatist. I don't think I just, you know, socialize with my little friends here in church and, and ignore the rest of the world. No, I'm out into the world because God has called us to be out into the world, but I'm not of the world. I don't need to act like them. I don't need to talk with, like them. I don't need to dress like them. I don't need to treat others the way that they treat others. No, God has called us a strange and peculiar people. He's called us to be different. He's called us out of those things. But there's only one divine revelation source, and that is God's Word. God's Word holds the answers to all things that we need. Are we being biblical? James tells us this. Therefore, submit to God. Submit? We don't like that word, do we? 
We don't like to submit. Nobody likes to submit. Children don't like to submit to parents. Husbands don't like to submit to their husbands. You know, we don't like to submit to authorities at work. We don't like to submit to authorities in the church. We don't like to submit to God. It starts out here, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When those things of the world come at us, we resist them. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. We talk about washing our hands because of this virus. What about the virus of sin? We should be washing our hands all the time of that virus of sin. Cleanse your hands. If you're involved in something that you shouldn't be, get out of it. Go to the Lord. Get the strength from Him. It says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. James doesn't, doesn't quote it easily. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Undefile yourself. Come to the one who can make you pure. And it's through his word. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Stop thinking that it's okay to be here and it's okay to be there and it's okay to do this and it's okay to do this. He gives the example of oil and water, how it doesn't mix, and salt water and fresh water, how they can't come out of the same well. That's the double-minded person that sort of says this can happen. Nobody else could do it, but maybe I can make it happen. It's this lament and mourn and weep. James says this is serious. This is serious. And God tells us, I believe, through this time that we need to get serious because this is a taste of things to come. Some people said, well, has this opened the door that the government can do this easier next time? Probably. It's a taste of things to come, so are we ready? Maybe God is saying this is a wake-up call. Don't take things for granted. Be ready. Be prepared. Don't just laugh it off. Don't just make it a joke. And I see a lot of people doing that. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So the question is, is are we biblical? Are you biblical? The church is the body. The church is its members. Are you as members biblical? Are you standing on the word of God? Are you standing firm on that word of God? Listen, we all fail. We all fall short of the glory of God. There's no righteous, not one. I'm not up here saying, oh. No. We fail often and we fail, you know, daily. We need to come to the Lord, though, and we need to humble ourselves before him and seek his wisdom and seek his strength. Do you want to go back to the old normal? I don't. I don't. I think God has something much greater, much greater that we can do. And I pray as a church that we go in that direction, that we stay excited about God's word, that we make the changes that need to be made in our lives, that we allow God to work in us and through us and through this body, that, that our light goes out into our neighbors. I have had so many people come and ask me questions through this period of time. And I'm sort of sorry that I haven't gotten through all the questions to answer them, but I'd like to do that. We started right before we got canceled here about, you know, ask the pastor questions. Well, I tell you what, when this happened, I had all sorts of things. Are people losing their faith? What's going to happen to the church? Where's God and all that? I mean, there's, there's questions. People have questions. We have the answers. 
And it's found in Jesus Christ. Are you bold enough to say that? Are you bold enough to stand on that?